Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, Arthur Smith, Ryan Nielsen, which group will get off to the best start? And there is an uptick in Major League Baseball that is actually starting right here in the A with Michael Harris II. And last but not least, and for the culture, who's your top four athletes of all time in the city of Atlanta? We'll be talking about it. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure that you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. T, when you think about the Atlanta Falcons getting off to a good start on their practices and everything. They're getting ready to put the pads on here pretty soon. I know a lot of people are salivating at that, that idea of that. You know what I'm saying? Everybody trying to get that thing going. But I think one of the things that I really kind of want to hone in on is the fact that, you know, Arthur Smith, they focus in on getting the young talent, you know, at the top of the draft and, and pass catchers and all that stuff and surrounding Desmond Ritter with as much talent as possible. I mean, those guys on the young game, but as far as defensively, they went with the veteran route, right? They started bringing in guys like David Onyemata and Jesse Bates, and we had a conversation about Jesse yesterday and and what he's going to be able to bring to the table, and Calais Campbell, you know, that kind of bumped that average age up a little bit on on the defensive side of the football, so I, I think now I'm trying to think like, or I'm trying to figure out, and I want to get your thoughts. Like, who do you think is going to get off to a better start? Because when you think about veterans, guys who've been there before, I will start to kind of lean towards that defense. What say you? I would agree. And it may be more because of the opponent than it is because of the product that the Falcons are putting on the field. Now, that said, I do believe that this veteran group of defensive players is going to show and prove early, right? Uh, right? It's interesting because, of course, listening to some of the comments even yesterday, like Richie Grant is salivating at the opportunity to play opposite Jesse Bates III. He really believes that he made an uptick last year. And I, I would agree with him. He had an uptick in his performance last year, and he believes right. that he is literally going to just take it next level just because of the guy who's lining up on the other side of the field. So I say that to say, you look at those veterans that are going to up the game of some of the younger players in the defensive core. Then you look at the competition that the Falcons are going to go up against. I would put the defensive front as well as the secondary of the Falcons up against a young Bryce Young any day and expect the Falcons to dominate. Not because I think that Bryce Young is a bad player. Obviously he's not. Frank Wright named him outright QB one after the first day of training camp on Wednesday. Right, in Carolina. Yeah, yeah. But it's the fact that he's young. Right. And they're mm-hmm. also going to have, I believe they have Miles Sanders um, on their roster now at running back. And so right. you also have a running back core that's trying to gel with the offensive line and really trying to understand who they have up front. So I believe that the Falcons can win the battle in the trenches there. I believe they can win the battle in the trenches uh, against the Packers as well. And I would put them up against 
the offensive line of Detroit as well and expect. And I'm not saying that it's going to be three and zero, although it could. They could literally start the season that way. But if we it's look possible. at the season, yeah. right? If we look at the season kind of in, you know, quarters, if you will, like old Dan Quinn used to do. If we look at the the uh, schedule in quarters, to me, the first time they really get tested is against Jacksonville. That's the first time they get tested. And I believe by then, the good thing is that same defensive front that I'm talking about, that same secondary will have been tested three times to be better prepared for whatever Trevor Lawrence and company bring to the table. Yeah, I'm I'm wholeheartedly with you because here's the thing. Like a lot of times when you talking about training camp and getting started, like we've been hearing the you know, the rumblings and everything have been going on out there um, as far as, you know, Desmond Ritter throwing interceptions and all that stuff yeah, and overthrowing guys in the deep ball and everything like that. So it takes time for offense to get some type of rhythm, right? Like that, that is a real thing. You know, there's no secret. It's no secret that, you know, uh, Desmond Ritter and Drake London got some, had some some chemistry last year. You know why? Because they had, from, from the time they had the report, rookies had the report, those guys were, together they were lurking working together um talking having conversations like stamming up each other okay here's how here's what i like here's how i like my balls you know what i'm saying pause um you know those are some of the things that are you know uh and, and vital to for in order for that quarterback to wide receiver to have a good relationship and then when you factor in Kyle Pitts never catching a pass in the game from Desmond Ritter those are some of the things that you're going to have to get on and and it's hard to kind of get that that, that that chemistry going, you know, true enough, you put in the work and practice and all that stuff, but it's a it's different when get, um, real balls start to fly and, 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 and the real thing as far as preseason games and all that stuff, they're going to need some of that work. And I wouldn't be surprised if Desmond Ritter gets a little bit more work than we actually think that he's going to get, you know, as, if you're talking about your QB1. So yeah, I think it's going to take some time for that offense to kind of get rolling. And, and, and also because... You know, given how, you know, guys just come together on defense and it's, it, they simplify as much as they possibly can when it comes to implementing a certain system. And those guys just get in there and just, hey, I want you to just get in here and just go play. Go rush the quarterback, you know, on third loan. Those are some of the things that you can do, you know, while you get the, all of the other intricacies, fine intricacies of your defense. But offensively, it takes time to get that mm-hmm. chemistry going. So that's why I feel like the defense is going to get off to the good start. But how long do you think it's going to take for uh, Kyle Pitts and Desmond Ritter to get really going, get into some good chemistry with OT? Uh, I say a couple games, and I do think okay. you're right. I think we're going to see Desmond Ritter and even Kyle Pitts a little bit more than maybe anticipated in preseason or maybe a little bit more than you would have normally seen a QB1 in the preseason because you only had four times to see him last year at the end of the regular season. And also Kyle Pitts is just now coming back. So they've got to start developing a rhythm somewhere. But I love what Drake London said as far as not just the work that Desmond Ritter did with him in the offseason, but really with everyone in the receiving room that includes. Yes. And so I, we say that now because we know positionless football is really what the Falcons are talking about. So that said, you know, maybe a couple of games, maybe first or second game or whatever, I'm sure he's going to go and lean on his comfort zone. You know, the whole nine to five concept. I'm sure we're going to see that connection a little bit more often than not just to get Desmond Ritter comfortable as far as his progressions. But honestly, I do think that, okay, once he's secured, okay, that's your first progression. He's going to quickly move into knowing how to get to his second and third progressions if KP is actually that second or that third option. But I also think 
that by one or two games, maybe that third game in, Kyle Pitts will also have his legs back under him. And I think that's where we're really going to see the chemistry kind of flow, assuming that we're going to see Kyle Pitts week one. Oh, yes. And, and speaking of speaking of uh, Drake London, though, T, like, I, I think that, you know, it was got a little interesting yesterday. You know, there was a little one-on-one situation going out on the field. And uh, I got Clark Phillips kind of uh, showed up, Drake London. And, you know, there's a little history behind this because yes. I, I, I'll never forget Drake London's facial expression. That's why a lot of times it's really good to be just face-to-face with these guys when you're asking me these type of questions. Because uh-huh. when he was asked <laughs> about Clark Phillips and that whole quote-unquote rivalry, his eyes almost got stuck, T, because he rolled so hard. So it's a little – these guys have a lot of history. And Clark Phillips strikes me as a guy who don't mind talking a little trash. So, um, yeah, Clark Phillips got the best of him yesterday, T. Uh, I think this is going to be a nice little rivalry as a training camp continues, especially once they get the pads on. Yeah, and I like it because if you the, – the whole goal is, as Grady Jarrett said just yesterday, for iron to sharpen iron, right? Indeed. And if Clark Phillips III is going to be someone who kind of gets an ire from Drake London, then that's good. That's good yeah. because feel like in your head that you're going up against the best. Yeah, Clark Phillips III is a rookie. We get it. But in your mind, you feel like he might be one of the best you saw back in your Pac-12 days. Obviously, you're triggered. So, yes, you know, course. yeah. So, so I like it because I think it's mm. something actually that uh, Jake Matthews said as well. He was talking to our guys, uh, I think Andy and Randy. Uh, actually, I take that back. He was talking to the morning shift over at 92.9. And he was saying how, you know, he's excited when he sees those veterans that he's seen before, like a Lorenzo Carter. He feels like lining up against those guys makes him better. It, it helps him to be prepared for the guys who play at the highest level. So yeah, I absolutely like it. I think it can be nothing but an advantage. And I would say for me, when I'm hearing those things, and of course I'll be out there soon myself to see it firsthand, but when I'm hearing those things, I feel like as Arthur Smith has progressed, it's now his third year, we're seeing more competitive, a more competitive spirit because you can be that when you're talented and when your coach can kind of put that fire under you because he knows what you're capable of doing. So I like it for the competitive spirit that it is. And yes, all Falcons, Clark Phillips, the third Drake London and everybody choose violence every single time. We like to see it. Yeah, no doubt. Like, come on now. Like what else is there, is there to be said on, like that? Come on people. Y'all, this is the type of thing that breeds competition breeds greatness. I hate to be all corny and all that stuff, but, it's but it's, it's, it's so true. It is so, so true. What else is true is the fact that, you know, the Braves out here putting in work, not only on the field, T, but off the field as well. We'll talk about how Michael Harris is involved next. But first, got to let you know that this ATL Day Ones episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the number one sportsbook in America. Guess what, guys? This is the place to go to when you want to bet on Major League Baseball. You know how I know? Because they have a super-duper-duper duper, uh, deal just for you. All you got to do is drop 20 bucks. Drop Yes, $20. That's all you got to do. And it will give you up to $200 in bonus bets back, win or lose. So it doesn't matter if you win or lose. You know, if you appear betting with the wrong team and all that stuff, the Milwaukee Brewers, the beat the Braves, nah, man, we ain't going down yeah. like that. We need you to go with the Braves and get this money. And FanDuel is safe, secure, super easy to use. You don't have to worry about anybody getting your information or anything like that. All you got to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on um, to check out and take advantage of the 
$100. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So make sure that you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel.com slash locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Fanduel, because it is the official sportsbook betting partner of Major League Baseball. So... From time to time, we hear about different initiatives, right, that the leagues are putting forth. It may be because they want to expand or grow the league or the fan base for a particular sport, as we were seeing in the NFL and NBA. We just, of course, heard most recently about the Hawks playing the Magic in November in Mexico City. And, of course, we know that the Falcons will be headed back to back abroad or across the pond to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. But there are some other initiatives that oftentimes will touch on the growth of a sport, whether that is fan base or athlete here domestically. And that's what's happening in major league baseball. You know, a lot of sports also talk about diversity and evolution. And it seems like MLB is really, really trying to embrace that. And a lot of it is starting right here. So, We all know, of course, Kenyon Drake, the seven-year NFL veteran, played at Alabama, now plays with the Dolphins. And he's a guy who chose the football path, but his little brother actually chose a different path. Isaiah Drake decided, hey, in about eighth grade, you know, he's kind of um, on the East Cobb 13U Astros when he was about 11, and he starts playing, and he's kind of good at baseball, and he figures, you know what, I might want to start taking this seriously. And that turned out to be a good look for not just him, but for so many other players. And what excited me about this article that you shared, Jarvis, was the fact that this is indicative of a wave of young African-American talent that's returning to Major League Baseball. And why do we say it that way? Because you do see players of color, but oftentimes those players of color are from the Caribbean, they're from South America, they're not actually... African-American, meaning Black people of U.S. descent. So the Mm -hmm. game had really taken a hit over the last couple decades, but the league is putting forth the possibility of a resurgence. And that starts with Tony Reagan's, of course. He was a a GM with the Angels. He's now baseball's chief baseball development officer. And he said, quote, you're starting to see that around the country, whether it be here in Florida, where the Hank Aaron Invitational Camp is taking place, or in Atlanta, Chicago, Detroit, or California, there's a steady uptick in participation. And Jarvis, you got to be excited when you know that 44 of the best players are going to be right here in Atlanta at Truist Park for the showcase game. And that a number of those players, I mentioned, of course, Isaiah Drake, but we're also talking about a, I'm going to call it a bloodline, if you will, that includes Ty Pete from Trinity Christian Sharpsburg, just outside of Atlanta, Tamar Johnson, and of course, the one and only Michael Harris II, which that was started, his interest started with one of the Hayward boys. So how exciting mm-hmm. is it that, we, you know, we call this place Chocolate City, right? Oh, you know that. Chocolate yeah. City is starting the resurgence of African-American players into Major League Baseball. Yeah, like, that is, it's just dope, like, because yeah. when, when you think about, like, the connections, right, because um, Isaiah talked about how he was on the opposite, the opposing team when, when um, um, Stockbridge High School retired Michael Harris's jersey, and he just just sitting there. He was like, "Man, this dude, like, literally, not too long. I think it was like two years out of high school, you know, before they actually did it. So it was kind of like, oh man, this is crazy. Like, and it just goes to show you, T, like how how big it is 
to see people in a sport that look like you. Like, yeah. how, uh, you know, that representation matters. It is it so important. I, I even go back to when I was, um, when I was coming up and, and, and getting into sports and everything like that. Like I said, a lot of people don't know this. And you know, I've talked about it on the show before. Yeah. Like my first sport was, was baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was my first love, like literally. And we just talking about Fred McGriff, the crime dog. He was a big inspiration because guess yeah. why? Because he looked like me, you know, yeah. he ended up being the same height as I ended up being, you know what I'm saying? So it's just so many things that kind of go into when you see guys that look like you out there playing and, and for Isaiah Drake to be able to say, you know what? I see a, a young brother out here doing his thing. He getting his jersey retired. Like he about to get ready and go to the major leagues and, this is just a, a super, super dope initiative because I know a lot of people, you know, and talking to some of my guys who who um, cover baseball, you know, who are brothers, and they was a little sketchy at first. They was like, yeah. oh, okay, you know, because you know how it is when you're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, how that can kind of wane some, and then mm-hmm. it'll just disappear, then it'll pop back up again. So yeah. for them to actually say, hey, here's what we're trying to do, and and it, it, it helps that it, you know, they... uh that they are making some noise in the city of Atlanta because we know Atlanta is just different all over in the United yeah. States. So for True. them to be able to go through that with their word and you starting to see some, 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 some real like uptick, like you mm-hmm. seeing some guys like uh Tamar Johnson coming yeah. out of Benjamin E. Mays high school, yes. team, the fourth yes. overall pick in the overall, overall pick in the, uh, in the major baseball draft. So mm-hmm. that's the type of stuff that you feel like, when you think, when you hear the major league baseball say, "Hey, we want to we want to make a difference. We want to get this back because we're, we're looking at what just a little bit under seven percent of players in major leagues are you know African American. When back in those nineties, when I was talking about when I fell in love with the game, mm-hmm. you're looking at like 24 percent. Yeah. Like that's a big drop, and I'm so glad that it's starting to um, trickle back up. The up it's on the up. It's back on the up and up. Right. And you mentioned how we're not talking about players just being in the majors or players who are just drafted. But we're talking about, like you said, players who are drafted high. The Twins took Omari Daniel, a shortstop from Smyrna. They took him in the 14th round and then uh, the Walker School. Um, and he was there as well. But the outfielder, Christian Jackson, they took him in the 19th round. Now, here's where that uptick comes, however. When you start looking at the first round of the past 10 drafts, that's where the numbers change a little bit, because although those are later rounds, when you look at it overall, 19% of the players selected in the first round, the last decade, they were black and U.S. born. And not only that, Michael Harris, the second, of course, was the NL rookie of the year for 2022. But then you go back just two years And Kyle Lewis and Devin Williams were also AL and NL rookies of the year, respectively. Right. So when you think about the fact that that had not been done since 1984, when you're talking about Dwight Gooden, of course, with the Mets and then another Mariner, right. Alvin Mm -hmm. Davis with um, with Seattle. That's when, you know, that shows an uptick because you're literally talking about a sweep in 2020 and then two years later Michael Harris II gets that and we talked about how difficult it is for an outfielder to be able to one up a pitcher and yet yes. he out he outdueled his his fellow brave in Spencer Strider so I think that's also positive as well like not just that players are getting back into it but when you start to see that quality there and we know Jarvis you know because you played football 
in the state of Georgia that this is a hotbed. It's considered a hotbed for football, right? Right. We witnessed it Wednesday when 77 teams came together for the first ever, at least to our knowledge, high school media day that was attended by all the teams that won titles in 2022 here in the state of Georgia. And Huddle came all the way from Texas to actually broadcast it. But we also say on this show all the time, don't sleep on this state as a hotbed for basketball. And now it's showing to be a hotbed for baseball. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And when you think about like the, the whole process of baseball, because I think in, you think like, you know, God want the notoriety, right? You know, Isaiah was drawn to, you know, his jersey being retired and all that stuff. Yep. You know, it, nowadays, T, teams are calling these players up. Like, you're yes. no longer, hey, you got to go, once you draft this 17, 18 years old, you right. got to play six years in the major leagues before you even get considered. Like, now, we see, we've seen it live and local here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. If if you ready, they're they going to call you up because Michael Harris didn't even play in AAA. He, he came straight from AA. So, you know, they are, you know, and then Spencer Strider coming up as well, you know, like being being drafted, you know, uh, two years and then two years in, you're getting that call up. You don't have to yes. necessarily be go out there and play five and six years and worry about contract issues as to why you're not coming up. If you're good enough, they're going to call your butt up and you're going to get a chance to play. And that, and, that, and I think that's yes. the cool part. That's another draw as well, because like we know that, you know, back in the day, you're just like, mm. man, we gotta, I got to play how long before I start getting right. paid for real money? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you make a great point about the fact that if you're good, they will find you. And another thing that Reagan said was the fact that a ton of these players if they're not going straight to the majors, they're committed to D1 schools. Some are from HBCUs. We know that there was even an HBCU showcase that was recently broadcast on MLB Network. We think that's critical too. But going back to the point before we move on, not to minimize the impact that a Michael Harris II has as far as making sure that players see not just is this a lucrative sport, but it's fun to play. Michael yeah, Harris exactly. II is a joy to watch, just like the rest of the Braves. Like, I feel like the franchise and the club are taking on his identity and his personality, just like they are Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies. That's also the thing that you have to see that makes a niche sport fun, just like we saw Steph Curry do every basketball move known to man when he got that hole in one, ran yes. down, you know, because he'd run down the court if he hit that kind of three, ran down the golf course and you know, fell flat on the golf course and literally the fairway, they went wild. Right. And so I think that when players also see all of those things come together, you got the skills, there are hundreds and hundreds of scouts who are coming out to see you. You also play the game with joy and that's starting to be embraced. And you see that it's just as lucrative, if not more lucrative than the other three major sports Uh, NHL, they have guaranteed contracts as well. Uh, NBA, of course, has them guaranteed. And the NFL is starting to get more that are guaranteed. But you see baseball? Oh, they're all guaranteed. Like baseball contracts? Yeah. Yeah. You get get the money. Every dollar. The bag (laughs) is the bag is the bag. So, yeah, love to see it. Love to see it. And, of course, we are hoping that we can tell you we love to see what the Braves did and kind of reset themselves coming back home to play. The Brewers this weekend kicking it off tonight is Yanni Chirinos who, of course, was claimed off waivers just last Sunday. We know Bryce Elder is going to be on the bump tomorrow. Yet to be determined on Sunday, but Jarvis, I have a sneaking suspicion that might just mean that somebody who was down in AAA or somebody who had a final rehab assignment 
might just show up on Sunday. Whatever the case, every day is, we will talk about it on Monday. But before that, you guys know what to do. Drop some notes in the chat about what you think about this reemergence and renaissance of Black players in the game of baseball. And of course, after you check us out on YouTube, if you're driving around in the city, you might as well download ATL Day Ones wherever you get your podcasts so that you can listen to the great things we got to say on this show. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's just how we get down on this show, T. Derek, today is no different. When you think about, like, GOAT conversations, right? Yes. Like, there's one conversation that I refuse to have until LeBron retires retires uh, from the game of basketball with who's the best, right? Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I like LeBron James' career still going. So that's why I kind of like to stay, away, stay out of those conversations. But... I, I want to kind of bring it home. Like, this one was very interesting to me because, you know, there was this article, you know, that came out, you know, that, that, that said that they gave their top four Atlanta athletes of all time, T. What do you think about this list? And if you want to change to take some out, add, you know, or just wholeheartedly agree, you feel free to do so. So we've got Hank Aaron, Chipper Jones, Tom Glavin and Dominique Wilson as the four, four Atlanta athletes, greatest athletes of all time. To you. What are your thoughts? Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that one was very interesting because they did give us the caveat that right. they only included the major sports, right? So yeah, the, you couldn't, there, right. So, and, and you don't have a hockey team. So there's that. So you yep. couldn't necessarily therefore bring Joseph Martinez into the conversation. That's just the fairest thing to say. The fact that we couldn't even consider him based on the sporting news criteria. Right. right. Um, so if I only had to choose from the Falcons, the Hawks and major league baseball or the Braves. Yeah. I'm going to always put Dominique on that list. He's yeah, absolutely. To me, that's yes. the one that's not debatable. Hank Aaron is the one that's not debatable because they did talk about impact to the city. In addition to what you did on the court or on the, the field. So those two are fine. Here's what I'm going to throw out. And this is a tough one. This is a tough one because I mean, who wants to like take Chipper Jones off a list? That's kind of yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I know where you're going. Yeah, Continue. that's where I'm on the struggle <laughs> Yeah. But if you're talking about goats, I have a real tough time whether you want to go the Matt Ryan route or you want to go the Michael Vick route. Ooh. Matt Ryan is a league MVP who is yeah. a borderline Hall of Famer who no definitely he may not get in first ballot, but the guy's going to get a nod and there's a good chance he's going to get in, especially because as you start getting Falcons in, then they get to lobby for other Falcons to get in. That's the way that the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame works. Right. That said, Michael Vick, I don't think anybody changed the culture and the trajectory <laughs> of a city, a Come franchise, on. and a sport. Come than on. Michael Vick. <laughs> so if the criteria were as loose as what Sporting News said it was, I find it very difficult to keep either one of those guys off the goat mountain. Just saying. Yeah, like, because here's the thing, like, here's how I line it up, right? I have, mm -hmm. I will have to put Matt in. If we're talking about, you know, those other three, it's hard to argue against Chipper Jones, yes. Neek, and Hank. Like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, we just leave those leave those right yeah. there. We're not going to yeah. even move around with those. But when you're talking about, 
I will have to put Matt first. Here's why. Because I feel like he's the best quarterback in franchise history. Yeah. yeah. Let's Period. be real. Yes. <laughs> Period. Period. Like, hands down. Hands yes. down. He is the and best don't quarterback. Don't at Jarvis or me. Because we're not <laughs> right, going to. Exactly. Like, that's, like, if we're talking about going to go win a game, yes. like, I'm putting Matt. I'm going with Matt. Like, in his prime. I'm putting 2016 Matt up against any Falcons quarterback to have, any guy who ever put on a Falcons uh, uniform. Oh, hands true. down. So, but when you add that caveat to, not but, when you add that caveat of impact on the city and, you know, on and off the, off the, off the field, whew, that is like a one A and a half. Like I can't even say one B because the, the effect that Vic had on this city, the man had his own shoe T. Yes. Like, and yes. when we talking about how the national media treats yes. Atlanta sports athletes, they always been disrespected. To Dominique not even being on the uh, top 50 players of all time. Like, what what the crap is that? You know, like, hey, always hating on Matt Ryan and, you know, whether or not they're going to make it to the playoffs. Like, man, right, man right. he's super duper successful. Like, yeah. he's a really good quarterback. You know what I mean? So, I, I think that, but when you have a guy like Vic kind of break through that and get the national love and, and be mm-hmm. on covers of Madden and and have his own shoe and all this stuff, yeah. like several versions, not like one and done. Like he had a couple versions. One that was getting ready to get ready to get that to to drop before he got you know he went away, he went on vacation for a little while. But yeah, so that's that's the hard part for me. Like that, not have yeah. any Falcons players on there, and yeah. you know. Like, I, I, Tom was an amazing, you know, amazing pitcher. No question. You know, like, and, and my whole thing with that, if you're going to put a pitcher in, like, I will go with Greg Madison. I guess yeah. he ain't going to go with Greg because Greg, well, he had, like, several, I think he had, like, three or four Cy Youngs in a row. Right. And isn't he <laughs> like, the one that, like, Spencer Strider is chasing as far as the number of strikeouts in a year? Yeah. He's chasing Greg Maddox, right? No, no, no. He's chasing John Smoke. John I'm sorry. No, he's John chasing Smoltzy. Yeah. No, so yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. the point as well. So you yeah. even have Smoltzy out there who's doing something that yeah. Spencer Strider is now chasing. And like you said, Cy after Cy after Cy Young Award for uh, Greg Maddox. So I did think it was interesting that they chose Glavin. And going back to what you said, when you make the criteria, individual resumes, team success, and the final one was legacy within the sports landscape. <sighs> That's where you start to different. That's where Michael Vick differentiates himself from everybody who's already on that mountain and anybody who could be on the mountain because you have you have a whole generation. That dude changed the generation. We don't talk about and and don't get me wrong. Love me some Randall Cunningham and don't think that he gets the respect for really being the 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 pioneer of a two way player, right? Mm -hmm. But if we talk about the player who changed the game. Open doors for guys who are playing. He's the reason why we're seeing Justin Fields and And Jalen Hurts and all those guys. Think about who those players point to. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, all of the players that you just mentioned, Josh Allen, they point to Michael Vick. They point to Michael Vick. So that's why I said it's really difficult for me, for Matt Ryan, for the reasons that you just mentioned, and for Michael Vick, for the reasons that we mentioned, to keep them, at least one of them, has to be yeah, on one the of them has I to think, be on that. Yeah. I, I think it would be disrespectful not to have yeah. a falcon on that mountain. And if you're going to have a falcon, then you should have one of those two falcons because nobody was a better player in franchise history than Matt Ryan, but nobody had more influence 
on not just the Falcons, but the city in the game than Michael Vick. So there you have it. But hey, every day is you know where to go because we know you want to come. Please comment. Yes. You <laughs> drop you your comment. four right there in the go comment ahead. box. Heck, you know what? Normally, Jarvis and I tell you to drop a comment in the chat box on YouTube. Heck, go on and tweet us about this. You can actually add us on this one. And we're, we're yes. to hear the whole picture of it. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they have to say, just like we're going to be interested to see if the Braves can get back on track. They did it last week against the Brewers, taking two out of three in Milwaukee. Let's see them do it again this weekend. And last but not least, before we get out of here, make sure you guys share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love. Especially to the good.